0: Pascal said, We are never living but hoping to live. And whilst we are preparing to be happy, it is certain we never shall be so if we aspire to no other happiness than what can be enjoyed in this life. G.K. Chesterton put it this way, This is what makes life at once splendid and so strange. The true happiness is that we don't fit. We come from somewhere else. You too expressed it in a song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I love that song. In a world where we are encouraged to fill every hunger now to achieve immediate gratification for every need, it is healthy for us to remember that we are in this world but not of it. I'm reading from Mal Fletcher's book, The Pioneer Spirit. I came across that book because I woke up in somewhat of a funky mood uh, this morning again. Now let me back up and say that these podcasts, um, the reason I started this series on Mood Shift is because I was dealing with moods. And uh, this is part three of that, by the way. And uh, so, so these podcasts are not like I would construct a you know, three-point-in-a-poem sermon with, you know, cute illustrations and stories designed um, to be very palatable for a a wide audience in a half hour on a Sunday morning or whatever. These podcasts are more more real-time brain dumps of how I'm walking through stuff. Not always, but a lot of times that's what it is, what I'm dealing with. So this is what... I'm dealing with. I'm like, okay, I'm doing a series on mood shift that started because of a day I woke up in a funky mood and I obeyed some biblical principles and came out of it and had a great day. So now I'm on part three of mood shift. And yesterday, uh, my dog, bless her little heart, woke me up at 4.30 in the morning after about less than five hours sleep. I went to bed too late. And uh, and it put me in a, a funky mood, but still, I had a good day. I pressed on through it, you know. That's the importance of routine, by the way. Is is that you know, we, and to do lists and all those kind of things. Is that sometimes we just got to press press through that mess. So it ended up being a fairly productive day, but nonetheless, I still was not in a great mood. By two o'clock, I was done, and then I got frustrated because I was felt so done at two o'clock. I mean, I'd already had a full day's work, but still, I still, I was like man, I'm unfortunately an overachiever, and I'm always wanting to do more, do more, and get in the zone, get in the flow, you know, and feel like I'm really taking ground. And, uh, man, I still humped through the rest of the day and uh, ended up by the evening just kind of falling into my recliner in a, in a you know, just a, a pile of frustration. And, and so, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know, what's, what is going on, you know? I need a glimpse of heaven or something, you know? I need a verse, I need a word, right? We get there, right? And uh, then my, my son called, he FaceTimed me with my grandson, Joe, uh, and that, that lifted my spirits for a little bit, for sure. But I ended up going to bed, you know, searching. I went back up to my office, which is kind of a no-no, by the way. It is important to turn work off. Um, read the book uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Great book. A lot of studies that show it's important that you get, you have seasons of expansion and contraction. That doesn't mean you don't have those, you know, super overtime deals where you just pressing through a project. But you can't do that forever. You really need that ebb and flow of turning off work. And it's sometimes in those moments that your brain gets the rest that the idea pops into your head, right? So I did a no-no and I crawled back up to my office late, late last night and started poking around, looking at old church notes, looking for a word that would just lift me. I didn't want to wake up in a bad mood. But even though I got a good night's sleep last night, I still woke up kind of funky. Because, you know, bad moods can work. Frustration can work to where you get frustrated because you know you shouldn't be frustrated, <laughs> right? And it works in a wave and it wears us down. And so I did. I woke up in a, in, a, in kind of a, a funky mood. So I, I went through my routine, though. And again, the importance of routine. My routine is to read the Word of God, no matter if it tastes like sawdust and I'm getting nothing out of it or, or not. I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to journal a little a little bit, and, uh, and then I'm going to look at my to-do list, and I'm going to start pressing through the things I got to press on, you know, through. And I know there's one principle that I have got to live by, and here is my instruction. Start here. If you're dealing with a frustrating season or a bad mood for a day or a season of bad moods, just you're in a valley, don't despise the pleasant land. I draw that from Psalm 106. The psalmist writes in verse 24, then they, he's talking about the Israelites, despised the pleasant land they did not believe in his promise they grumbled in their tents they did not obey the lord so he swore to them with an uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the wilderness make their descendants fall among the nations and scatter them throughout the lands he's talking about the israelites and how they they were looking at what they didn't have instead of appreciating what god had done for them and I talked about that in the last podcast, the power of Thanksgiving, how it's an antidote um, for for bad moods and, and negative you know days. Um, if you have a decent job, remember what it was like to be unemployed. If you have a skill, remember what it was like, Uh, to not have that skill and how you work diligently and God provided what you needed, whether it was an education or certain mentors and people to help you develop that skill. If you have a healthy marriage, remember what it was like to be single and searching. If you have freedom in Jesus, remember what it was like to be in Egypt, in bondage and in slavery. So we start there. We We don't murmur and complain in our tents. That will get us nowhere. That will get us in trouble. Um, But this doesn't necessarily take away the frustration you may be experiencing uh, in this life. Mal Fletcher talks in his book, The Pioneering Spirit, by the way, or The Pioneer Spirit. I pulled that off the shelf this morning, Seeking. You know, sometimes I do that. Seeking, that was a book that impacted my life in 2006, and I thought, well, maybe there's something in here that'll pull me out of the rut. And you know what? And I prayed for that. You know what? There was, and hence this podcast, and I'm in a much better mood. Um, he talks about the fact that there are frustrations that we can do something about. So you may be in a bad, bad mood or be frustrated, but, uh, because there's a raging conflict with someone going on in your life. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's somebody at church or in your community. You can do something about that. You can go to that person and resolve that conflict. Uh, maybe you failed at an endeavor or, or a goal you were trying to achieve. And you're frustrated. There's something we can do about that. We can read a book uh, like John Maxwell's Failing Forward. Uh, we can, you know, remember what uh, Churchill said, something like... Um, What he said, success, I don't know if it was success, but achievement or something like that is being able to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. We can do something about frustrations like that, but there's a frustration that we've got to learn to live with, and that is that we're in a fallen world, but we're not of it. We were created and redeemed for heaven, but we're here now. And while God gives us glimpses of heaven in this life, they are only glimpses. Most of us have experienced some form of miracles or healings or financial breakthroughs or divine connections or guidance that got us to a new level. They're just glimpses of heaven, but we're still in this world. But isn't that exciting? We love to see those glimpses because it reminds us there will be a day where frustration doesn't exist. Negativity doesn't exist. Only peace and joy in the presence of the Lord. The danger comes when we think, that we can achieve true satisfaction in this world apart from Jesus. People think if they could just land the next job, if they could just close the next big deal, if they could just own this certain house or car or boat, then all would be well and they would be happy. Well that's 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 partially true the way that I define happiness sometimes. Often in a church service or a prison event, I'll say something like, you know, how many of you believe that money can't buy happiness? and hands will you know go up and people will applaud, amen, and I'll say, well, that's that's a lie. Give me all your money and I'll be very happy. And the way that I'm defining that is happiness is short-lived. If you're that one in 300 million that wins the current Powerball, you're gonna be happy for a minute, but it's not gonna bring lasting fulfillment, which is what we're really after. First Timothy 6, verse 17, when it comes to money, uh, Paul said, to Timothy, he said, command those who are rich in this present world, this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Nothing wrong with enjoyment, nothing wrong with using the things of this world to, you know, experience happiness, nothing wrong with a boat or a house or a car or a good job or, you know, that, you know prosperity, but don't put your hope in that. He says in verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. He's saying make sure that your hope ultimately is in the coming age, in eternal life. Mal Fletcher in his book, he says... I can get very restless if I want in the here and now what only heaven can provide. He says, because I was built for eternity, my present life in time and space will always carry a certain amount of frustration for me. As long as I'm in this body, I will feel a deep yearning for things that can never, full, I can never fully experience in this life. So this is a frustration that we're going to have to deal with because we're in this world but not of it. Now I, I know that frustration or bad mood, those kind of things. If I can't put my finger on it, if it's not solvable, if it's not something that I can do something about, then I I say, well, look, this thing must either be demonic, you know, it's worldly, it's it's a pressure that's that's coming against me that I can't define. And, and I've got to lay hold of heaven. I've got to put my hope in heaven. Because you, you, you get frustrated, those of us that are believers, knowing all that God has done for us, and then you get frustrated because you're frustrated. We get frustrated because of the short sightedness. Okay, we're not experiencing, you know, we're not getting any cookies today. It just feels like I'm I'm plowing through Brussels sprouts and broccoli, which I love both of those. But you know what I mean? Like I'm not getting any cookies from heaven, and I'm I'm frustrated. And then we get frustrated because we know we shouldn't be frustrated, and it becomes a cycle that wears us down, because. Often we're placing our hope in some supernatural event, some silver bullet that's just going to cure all of our ills in this life. You know, some some event that's going to happen, and that's just not the case. We're going to have to learn to live with this frustration, knowing that we're in this world, but not not of it. So, how do we experience the void? These kind of voids that we encounter. Beyond just receiving Christ, which is, you know, obviously fulfills the big, you know, God-shaped hole, they say, in our lives, but we still find these seasons of frustration. How do we encounter more glimpses of heaven in this life? Because those boost our faith, right? When we when we see those things where God comes through. How do we experience more of that, even though I'm in this fallen world, even though I'm constantly being distracted by the things of this world? How do I get glimpses of heaven that will encourage me to press on? Well, we've got to believe in the promises and obey the commands of, of Jesus. That's where we, we start. We don't despise the present land. that's where we start. We thank God for what He's already done, but then we believe in the promises and obey the commands of Jesus. Here's one here's an often forgot promise/, slash command. In John 16, verse 33, here's the promise. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Here's the promise. In the world, you will have tribulation. How about that promise? In this world, you will have tribulation. The, The Greek for that is troubles, anguish, pressure that constricts or rubs together. Jesus is saying in this world, in this time and place that we're in right now, we are going to have troubles, we're going to have anguish, and we're going to have pressures that constrict us and, and feels like just things rubbing against the grain. We're going to have tough times. There's a promise that we don't often think about when we think about the promises of Jesus, but he said, in this world, you're going to have it. Then he goes on um, with, with the, the good news, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, well, be of good cheer is the command. Okay? Most versions, as a matter of fact, just about every version says be of good courage. I'm reading from New King James because uh, when I was thinking of that scripture, I learned that one long ago. But the translation really means to be of good courage. Courage means mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and And withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So so think about it this way. Let's read, read that verse that way. In this world, you will have troubles, anguish, pressure that constricts or rubs together, but have mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Keep going by fixing your eye. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. There is a life after this life. Fix your eyes on eternity. Paul says, place your hope in the coming age. So we've got to constantly think like that. Now, when I read that verse, I I, I go, well, okay, he began by saying these things I've spoken to you. Well, what things did he speak? So your homework assignment, because I could never cover all of it in, uh, in this podcast, is read the things he said. Um, in John chapter 15 and John, the rest of John chapter 16 all one conversation Jesus was saying I'll, I'll just jump through some of it but he was saying that God wants us to be fruitful and then he says abide in me and I in you so he's saying have a constant vibrant ongoing relationship with me understand that I am your hope and, and constantly have fellowship with me we can fall off course with that that's again the importance of routine that even though we're feeling bad even though you know social media can make us feel bad right we can we can have the what's called fomo which means fear of missing out if you spend too much time on social media or even watching tv and that kind of thing you can feel like man everybody has life better than me you know we're seeing their their front page news uh, where they're on vacation, or they bought a new car, or a new boat, or a new house, or all these things, and we can, our, our eyes can get stuck on that stuff. Jesus said, "Abide in Me. Keep your mind fixed on eternity." Again, nothing wrong with those things, but it can lead us to fear of missing out. Like, well, I'm not experiencing these things. Another thing he said, <coughs> excuse me, before he said that uh, commandment. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He goes on the next verse and says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Man, we, we spend a lifetime trying to abide by that commandment. Um. I heard a great sermon on Sunday. I encourage you to go to CloverHillChurch.com, look at last week's sermon. If you want to hear a great sermon, well, I think it's on that very scripture, uh, Love One Another as I've Loved You. It is a good message from Tyler Grant, uh, son of Pastor Grant. Um, very authentic about how difficult it is sometimes to love people because we confuse acceptance and approval. And, uh, and, and so we can get frustrated when we start getting too political. We look at the news too much, and we get, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Polarized, us against them. And uh, we envision this perfect Christian nation, and if we just get back to the principles, and these are the people that are standing in the way. And, and uh, look, I can accept people and love them even if I vehemently despise their position politically or morally. Jesus did that for me. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, right? He came to die for it. He came to save the world. And so, But does Jesus approve of sin? No. And so Jesus is telling us, you've got to love people. It's by your love for one another that people will know that I am real and I exist. Now we can't do this apart from abiding in Jesus and asking God to help us love people even uh, if we don't approve of them. I'm kind of getting sidetracked here. But, um, you know, if you go into your day intent on demonstrating the love of God to people, um, even people that abuse you and or, or say harsh things against you, asking God for strategies. I think I used the illustration one time where a guy ripped me off on a car repair, and uh, I just wanted to, you know, really cuss him out. But instead, the Lord Spoke to me about giving him a gift It was around Christmas And I did And it was a simple gift I didn't have a lot of money But not only did And he was expecting me to cuss him out I think Because he knew he had screwed up And uh, instead I showed up with a like a $2 box Of those cherries that they sell around Christmas time But it was wrapped And it was a gift And I said hey man thanks for trying Oh such great release of that frustration came from that Anyway again getting sidetracked We're going back to Jesus is saying look you're in this world, but not of it. You're going to experience troubles, but be of courage. Press on. Now you can do that because of the things I just said to you. What did he just say? Well, he said that. He said love people, all right. The way that I loved you. He said abide in me as I have abided in you. He goes on to talk about you know he he tells the disciples you're gonna you're gonna be arrested, you know you're gonna be they're gonna people are gonna kill you thinking they're offering a service to God. Now that's what he said, that's going to happen, but be of good cheer, (laughs) be of good courage, press on. Because in that passage, he also makes an awesome promise. He says that because I'm leaving, he's telling them I'm leaving, the Holy Spirit is going to come. Verse 26, he says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. In verse 7 of uh, chapter 16, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you that you can't bear now, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Man, that's an incredible promise that we know the Holy Spirit is in us, and he will guide us in all truth. He will help us he he's the one that helps us believe on Jesus and worship Jesus despite the fact that our eyes can't see Jesus physically and so when we experience these days of frustration or seasons of frustration um, it's often because we're we're trying to satisfy an eternal itch uh, in this world and and we can't We've got to fix our minds on eternity and realize that our work, our endeavors in this life should be aimed at building up for the coming age, building up the rewards, and placing our hope in the life that is to come. You know, because those of us that maybe are, you know, I'm 59, I'm thinking, man, oh, I'm not 59 yet. I'm already putting myself at 59. I'll be 59 in August. I'm like, man, I'm pushing 60. Life sure happened fast. But it's only beginning when you think about eternity and so some of us we can look at people that are our age and go wow i should be at this stage of life and that can bring about frustration i i should have this i should be experiencing this uh, because this person is and it can create a frustration but when we realize that we are living for the sake of eternity not retirement in this life to sit on a golf cart and drink beer and, and play golf every day. And, you know, I'm not going to condemn anybody that retires and plays golf every day. Okay. Um, you know, I just hope that you're doing other things too. I hope that you're not, it, as a matter of fact, if someone is living that life, it won't be long before they're frustrated because that is not going to bring satisfaction. But that FOMO, that fear of missing out for some of us, We can sit back and get frustrated because we're like, man, I should be experiencing those things. And we're reaching for this carrot, this euphoric moment or season in this life when everything will be well. Well, isn't it something how this life, you know, about the time that some people reach retirement age. I had a friend, uh, well, a co-worker I used to work with years ago. Um, I believe he was a Christian. Um, But uh, he worked, I think he almost 40 years, maybe 40 years as a police officer. And finally, he retired, and uh, I think he died within two years of retirement, and that's the case for a lot of people. We're reaching for that moment where we're going to, finally, I have reached the Mecca of this life. Guess what? You still won't be satisfied, even as believers, we'll still be frustrated because we're in a fallen world, and we're not fixing our eyes, our mind, our heart on eternity. Yes, we can enjoy the things of this world. God gave, them those, gave us those things for that purpose, but we need to be abiding in him and fixing our minds on eternity. We need to realize that, the, that heaven is one breath away for all of us. Now, that's good news. That shouldn't make us fearful. That should make us faithful. That should say, look, I may as well be swinging for the fence when it comes to taking steps of faith, to living by faith, to going out on a risk, um, to doing great exploits for God, to build the kingdom of God, whether that's in business or specifically in a certain kind of ministry or, or whatever. if It should build our faith to take kingdom-building risk, which produces passion, by the way. I talk about that in my book, Thrival Mode, uh, and then when we see those, we, you, we're never going to see those miracles and those breakthroughs and those seasons of divine connection. I talk, get those glimpses of heaven if we're not living by faith. We see God's direct involvement in our affairs when we start living by faith. We start taking steps. And then when we see that, our, fo- our faith is grown So we've got to position ourselves for miracles regardless of how we feel sometimes. We've got to step out on new ideas, on a new vision, a new principle of God's word that maybe we haven't been, you know, obeying or living by now. And I've seen this over and over. I can remember, you know, when I did not tithe or then when I did not tithe off the gross. Now, I can't put my finger on what God, this is where the Holy Spirit leads you, okay? But in my, my life, there was a season when I didn't tithe. Then I struggled. Then I began to tithe. Then I saw the fingerprints of God. I got a glimpse of heaven. God brought breakthrough in our finances all the way back in like 1983. Then I realized probably circa 1991, 2, something like that, that I should be tithing off the gross. God spoke the spirit led me. I'm not I'm not trying to lead you today, but he spoke to me. I felt like, you know what? We need to start tithing off our gross income, uh, not the net, not after taxes have been taken out. And we took that step of faith, and God provided again. And you know, here's I, I have this little sketch. I'll close with this. Hopefully, I won't go into overtime. But I have this little sketch when it comes to faith. And again, there's nothing that will build your mood more and break you out of frustration that this life brings than seeing God move in your life. But that doesn't happen except by faith. So I, I, I can't really draw this for you, but if you had a piece of paper and you drew a series of humps, like mountains, with each one getting higher. So it's like a mountain range, and each mountain is getting higher. So the way that I used to view life was, okay, you spend time climbing this lower hump, you know, as you're crawling, climbing this mountain, and you get to the top. And at the top, when you've reached that goal, whatever it may be, that, that, you know, place you were aiming at, you can see the next peak, but you realize to get to that next peak, you're going to enjoy a season of the downhill, but then you're going to be in the valley again, and you're going to have to climb even harder and, you know, have more endurance to get to the next goal because it's even higher. See, what? hopefully you can see what I'm saying. Well, I experienced that. You know, there was a... Man... Just some terrible seasons in the valley for us getting from one peak to the next. You know, one of them was when my brother was murdered. Man, what a season uh, the five years between 1995 and 2000 was. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Um, But you reach the next peak. Now you can see an even higher peak in the distance. And I was thinking to myself, oh, boy, here we go. I don't know what challenges we're going to face, but we're going to enjoy the downhill but then we're going to be in the valley, and the next is going to be so— And I wrote this little thing out. It's in my Bible, an older Bible. And as I was writing it one day, I was writing it again. I was like, okay, well, here we go, you know, expansion and contraction. We're going to have a season of, of uh, downhill, and then we're going to have quite an, a climb to get to the next goal. It was like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, but God builds bridges. And I, I, I drew a line from the lower peak to the higher peak, and said, sometimes we don't have to go through the valleys. And sure enough, there was a season where we, we just kind of fast-tracked. We didn't go through a valley, and we, we ended up achieving the next goal. And man, I got to see the fingerprints of God. I was like, well, that's awesome, you know? Of course, there were steps of faith to step out on that bridge. You imagine those old mountain bridges that swing and there's gaps between them? That's what it felt like. Like, it was scary. It was still by faith that we we were going in a non-conventional uh, way uh, to get to that next goal. Then you get to that next peak, and you're even higher. And uh, that's where it can be important to look back and say, well, God got me over this one. He got me to this one. And he even created a bridge to reach this one. And just a couple of, maybe last week, I was, I was looking at that sketch, and I felt inspired to, to draw a little, you know, a little bird, you know, like a flying bird, just the you know, way you just kind of, you know, use one line and create like a, a, a bird, people making paintings. And it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, you know, the way that you guys have been living the last uh, 10 or 12 years um, is you've been, you've been like that eagle that flies from peak to peak, that flies over the peaks by faith. And that's and I thought man, that is what I've often likened it to some sort of hoverboard, the way that we've had to live by faith on donations, and we you know lived in our RV full time, and we still do. You know, it's like man, we, wow, I don't have like a guaranteed salary. You know, there's this illusion that there's some sort of guarantees in life. For example, uh, we we live in this particular house that we live in. Um, for a bargain you wouldn't believe because the man is generous to us and has helped us. Otherwise, we could never afford to live in a house and live in the neighborhood that we live in. We'd be back in a camper. And so I've always thought to myself, you know, man, it would be nice to own my own home again. Maybe. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. But there's an illusion there that just because you, you, you have the mortgage that you're not going to lose your job or have some health challenge or in some other way have to lose the house. It gets foreclosed on, right? So that's still a, a bit of a, a a move of faith. And uh, so this picture of an eagle flying, you know, is like, yeah, this is how uh, we need to be living is by faith because we'll never get to see the wondrous works of God, see the fingerprints of God, see, see miracles and breakthroughs if we're not living by faith no matter how you feel you're taking those steps of faith and uh, man nothing will break you out of a bad mood um, or a frustrating season more than those glimpses of heaven so fix your mind on eternity live by faith abide in jesus study his commandments let the holy spirit guide you in the truth that you need to walk in today the area where god may be dealing with you don't get distracted by the things of this world. It will always bring on frustration. Let me close, and I know I'm into OT. Bear with me, but I want to read these quotes again because I thought they were re- they really helped me this morning. Pas- Pascal said, We are never living but hoping to live, and whilst we are preparing to be happy, it is certain we never shall be so if we aspire to no other happiness than what can be enjoyed in this life. And G.K. Chesterton's quote, this is what makes life at once so splendid and so strange. The true happiness is that we don't fit. We come from somewhere else. And of course, that great U2 quote, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Well, if you're looking for it in the things of this world, you never will. God bless you. Have a great week. I hope that lifted your spirits a little bit. Amen and amen. Oh, if you don't know much about us, you can learn about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. I think I've got a little closer here. Check it out. I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.